Red Rocks Church. How are we doing? Come on. Come on. Yes. There we go. Hey, Red Rocks Church, welcome. We are glad to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for coming out. Thank you for being a part. Uh, Littleton Campus, can we, can we just put our hands together real quick? Can we welcome all of our campuses, um, all the Denver-based campuses, those joining us online? Uh, can we welcome God Behind Bars? And then, of course, uh, Brussels, Belgium. Come on, keep clap for them. Welcome them. We're glad that you're with us here today. Well, my name is, uh, my name is JB, and uh, I get the privilege of being one of the guys on the team here at Red Rocks Church, and I'm glad to be with you this evening, and so thank you for having me. Uh, we are in a teaching series that we've called uh, Awake, and uh, it's all about dream big but live better. Dream big but live better. And uh, we have a theme verse uh, going for, uh, really for 2019, but this theme verse is sort of, we've kicked it off here in this series Awake, And it's found in Ephesians, it's Ephesians uh, 3.20, and it says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And so it's all about, man, we're believing for 2019, we're believing that God is going to do something in us personally, we're believing that God is going to do something through this church. We're believing for big things to happen here in 2019. And 19. We believe it. We've been praying for it. We're asking for it. And what I get to do I, as, as a pastor, uh, one of my favorite things is that I get to, I get to meet and have conversations with a, with a lot of you. I get to sit down and talk about what God is doing in your life, how he's working, how he's moving. And, and the conversations, at least over the last few weeks, when it really revolves around this teaching series, have sounded a little something like this. JB, we're believing and we're hoping and we're expectant for God to do something really big in 2019. Like, we're, we're believing for that. We love the idea of dreaming big. Like, we're, we're expectant. But what do we do when the season of life that we're in right now, the moments that we're in, we, we feel like we're just a little unsettled or a little unsatisfied in the moment that we're currently in? JB, we love to think about what God's going to do one day. Like, we can't wait for that to happen. We're, we're, we're ready for that. Like, we're, we're excited for that. But what happens when the moment that we're in today is a moment that we sit waiting going, God, are you going to show up in this moment? Are you going to move this day? Because this day, I feel, I feel really unsettled. I feel really discontent in where I'm at in this moment. You see, what happens when living better seems like it's somewhere else? Living better doesn't seem like it can happen today. It seems like for us to live better, we got to be thinking and dreaming about something down the road. Every year around uh, this time, I uh, begin to dream about warm, sandy beaches. Every time. I, I just, I can't, like, I keep thinking about the ocean air, the warm sand. I want a little umbrella in my drink. Like, I begin to dream. It happens every year, every time, about this time of year. 
And so a couple months ago, I started to, uh, I started to put a plan together. And, and, I, and I started just thinking and dreaming about how I could take my wife and we could sneak away and get away on this, you know, beautiful, romantic vacation. And I was so excited. The problem with my plan was I hadn't told my wife. And so I started kind of going through all the things you need to do. I started looking at flights. I started looking at hotels. I started looking at resorts, all-inclusive resorts, overwater bungalows. I mean, I just, all of it, I was looking and I was dreaming and I was expectant. The problem was I had a plan. It was really half a plan. I just hadn't let my wife in on what I was doing. And so... Being a good husband, I thought, man, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her know all the things I've been working on, all the things I've been dreaming about for us. And so I take her to dinner with our three kids to unveil my plan. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those that like, I, I like play out what's going to happen in my mind. Like I think it all through and I've got this all figured out. And so in my mind... Right? This is what's going to happen. We get to dinner. I'm sitting here. My oldest son is right here, and he's reading a book, and our two other kids are over here, and they're playing Uno, and my wife is right here. And this is what's supposed to happen. I'm going to look her in the eyes, and we're going to have this romantic like moment, and I'm going to start telling her how amazing she is and beautiful she is, and I'm going to unveil this plan to her all the things that I've been dreaming about and working on, and I'm going to tell her all about it. And the way that she's going to react is she's going to say, how did I ever get so lucky to marry you? You're so attractive and handsome. And, and you, for me, are like Ephesians 3.20 type stuff. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, like you are that for me. That's what I think is going to happen. Like it's going to be incredible. We're going to have this moment. What actually happened? I start telling her about my plan. Fellas, you can relate to this, okay? I start telling her about my plan. She kind of looks at me with that look. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? The look that's like, are you really that dumb? I'm like, yep, mm -hmm, I am. I sure am, yep. And I look at her and I start telling her this plan about how we can get away and the whole thing. This is what my wife tells me, quote, unquote. She says, JB, we cannot do that right now. You know that, like we can't do it. We have some things we gotta take care of. You need to be content with what you have and where you're at. You need to be content with what you have and where you're at. No, I do not want to be content in this moment. It's cold outside, I want to get away. Now the reality is, is I don't need a vacation. I don't need to get away. But there's something that happens every year around this time where I just start feeling, I, I, something stirs inside of me and I start feeling really discontent with where I'm at and the season of life that I'm in. And what I think is that by escaping for a few days somewhere that all of a sudden I'm going to find joy and happiness and contentment in my life. And we know this to be true. The reality is that's not the case. 
And I'm sure some of you, maybe it's not a vacation, but you can relate that you may be in a season of your life where you just feel discontent. You feel unsatisfied with where you're at. It may be a job that you're in and you feel stuck at that job. It might be the relationship you're in currently and you feel unsettled or unsatisfied in that relationship. It's, it's, not, it's not working out the way you thought it was gonna work out. It, it, it may be financial discontentment for you and you've tried to be faithful and diligent but you just can't seem to get ahead. It, it, it might be um, the fact that you're single and you've been single for a long time and you're waiting on the moment when you're gonna meet the right person. You might be somebody who says, how many more times should I charge the mountain? Right, like, like am I gonna leave enough of a legacy? Are people gonna remember me? Are they gonna remember what I've done, what I've accomplished? You might be a mom and you might sacrifice like crazy for your family, for your kids, for your husband. And you feel like you're just unseen and unnoticed. And you're thinking like, is it gonna be like this forever? Am I gonna spend the rest of my life in yoga pants, right? Like, that's what it feels like. Sorry moms, but it's true. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we all have areas within our life that we feel just like we've got discontentment. We feel unseen, unnoticed, unrecognized. And we're just wondering, like, is someone gonna see me? Is God gonna notice me? Is this ever gonna change? Is it gonna be like this forever? Is something gonna happen? And I think what drives a, a, a lot of our discontentment, I would say there's many things that drive it, but I think one of the major things that drives our discontentment is comparison. I think in 2019, comparison is one of the, the, the biggest things that we sort of deal with and experience in our lives, right? And, and here's what happens. It seems like we're never happy, we're never happy where we are. We're only happy where we're not. We're never happy in the seasons or the moments that we're in. We're only happy where we're not. In fact, researchers and, and, and studies show that they, they kind of say it this way. It's, it's sort of one of those things where they talk about and they say that, well, let me just read it to you because I think it's better if I read it. It says, never have we had more in this life, in this season of life, but yet we seem to be less satisfied and less happy. It seems like we're never happy where we are, only where we are not. Now, comparison is nothing new. It, it crosses all ages, all seasons of life. Whether you have a lot or you have very little, whether you are um, man or woman, like it doesn't matter. All of us deal with comparison, every single one of us. And, and I was thinking of it, this way, that my parents' generation, comparison looked a little different. In fact, uh, there was a saying back then, it was called keeping up with the Joneses. And the thing with keeping up with the Joneses is that meant that you had to actually see the Joneses. Like they lived in your neighborhood or you worked with them. Like in order for you to keep up with them, you had to actually see them. They were, they were people right around sort of the places that you either lived or worked. But in 2019, things have really changed. 
social media has taken comparison and really kind of thrown fuel onto the fire. In fact, you can, you can look at the different studies, but they say that any more than about 10, 15 minutes on social media, and it drives us into uh, loneliness and depression and envy and anxiety and worry. You see, in this day and age, comparison comes with the swipe or the click of a finger. And we are peering into the windows of everybody else's life. I mean, come on, we've been there, right? You jump on social media and you start looking through the feed. And before you know it, something pops in and you see somebody and they got, you know, a new pair of shoes. Or somebody got a new car. Or somebody's now taking a picture in front of their brand new house. Hashtag blessed, right? And you're like, hashtag I'll come burn it down. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's how you feel. Or is that just me? Like, that's how I feel. I mean, I'm just being honest, you know, we're in church. (laughs) I was on a vacation uh, not too long ago, and I I jumped on social media. And I'm on vacation, right? It's supposed to be amazing. And I jump on, and I start scrolling through, and all of a sudden, a picture pops up of somebody that I knew who was on a way better vacation than what I was on. (laughs) And all of a sudden, now, I hate my vacation, and I want to be on their vacation, Right, comparison is everywhere. I mean, I, I think about, like, to be single today. I mean, when I was growing up, being single, the only people that would ever ask me if I had a girlfriend was my grandma or my mom, right? That was, the only, that was it. Now, you jump on social media, and you go through, and I mean, it's like, all you see are the pictures, the engagement pictures. And what you don't know is that it took them, like, three days to stage that picture to get that done, right? But you, you start looking at that, and I mean, comparison is everywhere, And what comparison has done, it's made us believe the lie that what we have is not good enough. And if I just had that, or if I was just there, then I'd be happy. Right? If I I just had that, if I was just there, then I'd be satisfied. Then I'd be happy. But let me illustrate it to you this way. Let's, Let's say that this right here is my life currently. And kind of where I'm at. I'm married. My wife and I are getting ready to celebrate 17 years of marriage this year. We have, come on, you can clap for that. After, um, after what you heard earlier, um, you need to clap for that, right? So 17 years of marriage. Um, she's a godly, amazing woman. We have three incredible kids. I know everybody says their kids are amazing. Mine are the best, so that solves that problem. So I have three incredible kids. We have a dog. It's kind of an annoying dog, but we love the dog. Um, We live in a house. Uh, We live on a cul-de-sac. We own a couple cars. Um, I get to coach my boys' baseball teams. Um, uh, I get to work here. I get to spend a lot of time with you guys. I mean, just amazing people. I get to work with some of my best friends. Life is really good. Like, I, I got a good life. I'm blessed. Ultimately, I feel very blessed. Now, l- let me take you back 20 years ago. 20 year ago, years ago, here was my life. I was living at home as a 20-year-old man. I had um, just come out of a season of my life of deep depression. I had a uh, back surgery. I spent almost uh, over a year addicted to painkillers. I was 
sort of going to college. Really, what I was doing is enrolling in classes and failing them. Um, I, I, was, I was working at Blockbuster Video. Don't laugh at that. Some of you still owe money to Blockbuster Video. You do. Be kind, Ann. See, you still know, too, don't you? You know why? Because you know the FBI's looking for you because you didn't rewind the video. That's why. Yep. I was the punk that when you rented your movie, that $3 movie, and you came up to the counter, I looked at you and said, sorry, you owe us $4,000 in late fees. Right? You guys remember. So that's me, 20, 20 years ago. If me today, if I were to go back and talk to my 20-year-old self, it'd sound a little bit like this. JB, you're not going to believe this. Let me tell you about your life. Let me tell you what's going to happen over the next 20 years. Let me tell you what God's going to do in the next 20 years. You see, because in this moment, when I'm at this place of my life, I can't imagine What's going to happen? And so when I'm standing here and I go, JB, let me tell you about all the stuff that's going to happen. You're going you're to meet this amazing woman. In fact, you're getting ready to meet her real soon. And you guys are going to get married and you're going to have some kids. And, and, and she's going to be just an amazing woman of God. And, and oh, by the way, you're going you're gonna to move to Denver, Colorado. And there's like 400 days of sunshine a year. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And by the way, you're going to end up becoming a Broncos fan. I know, it's crazy. You're not going to believe it. But here's what's going to happen. They're going to get this guy. His name's Tebow. He does this. Everybody loves him. Your wife loves him more. And then they get rid of him, okay? And then they get this other guy. They got to attach his head, but he's really good. His name's Peyton Manning. And then he's going to be awesome and win a Super Bowl. And I'm like, what? Oh, and by the way, JB, hold on. Get this. Get this. You get to be a part of a church that God is moving through and using to reach people, not just in Denver, worldwide. You get to be a part of that. God calls you into that. You know what I'm thinking then? What? I can't, I can't even fathom that. I can't even wrap my mind around it. 20 years ago, I had just rededicated my life to God and enrolled myself in Bible college. You know what the thing I was trying to do 20 years ago? I was trying just not to walk with a cane. That, that, that was my life 20 years ago. Here's what I do today. And maybe you can relate. I'm in this moment, in this season of my life, and I'm going, it's all right. It's okay. I'm not really that satisfied with it, but oh man, when I can get there, when I can get that, when I can do what, what he's doing, oh, when we, when we can go there, whew, that now, now I'll be happy. That's, that's when I'll be satisfied. That's when I'm going to find joy. And we know this, right? Because this is what we do. And what happens when we get here? We go, it's all right. Oh man, when I can get there. 
You see, the problem with comparison is comparison is a moving target. Comparison is a moving target. And if you find yourself thinking that contentment and joy and happiness in your life is one purchase away, is one relationship away, one promotion away, one pound away, then what ends up happening is that we're trying to hit the impossible moving target. And in the process of that, we find ourselves missing out on the moments that God has for us today. We miss them because we're not ready for them. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 for the next few moments. And as you know, um, there was a, a gentleman by the name of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul has a lot to say about what it looks like for us to learn to live the contented life. What does it look like for us to find joy, to find happiness, to find peace within our life? And I believe that Paul has really given us a gift when he's written this letter. You see, Paul is going to share with us the secret of contentment. And it's one of those things that, if I'm just being honest with you, like the secret of contentment or contentment is not something that we look at today in 2019 and think, boy, that is, we, we don't put that as a high value in our life. We just don't. It's not something we, we go, man, I really want to attain contentment. We don't think of it that way. Nobody goes into a job interview and goes, one of my strongest qualities is contentment. It just doesn't happen. And yet Paul goes, man, if you, if you want to live with joy and happiness and peace on your life, you got to get this. you got to learn this. And when I think about a guy that's, um, that writes about contentment, naturally what I do is I go, okay, so if you're going to tell me about contentment or the secret of contentment, that's being written from somebody who has everything. Like they're at the point of their life where they just, they're not in need. And so I imagine Paul writing this from you know, his luxury apartment. He's got everything he could possibly want. Life is going really good. He's been very successful. That's, that's what I think when I, when I hear somebody who goes, I'm gonna tell you about how to be content in your life. But that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I wanna just read this to you real quick. I, I wanna read you sort of a list of things that Paul has been through before he writes to us talking about the secret of contentment. He says this in 2 Corinthians. I'll just read this real quick. He says, five times I have received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. It's gonna put what we're about to read into a little bit of perspective. You see, Paul is writing to the church 
And he's writing to encourage them in their faith. Paul is telling them that, hey guys, I'm in really good spirits. And oh, by the way, I want to thank you for the continued support that you've been sending to me. All of this is being written as he's sitting in a Roman jail. Not the letter I'm writing if I'm sitting in a Roman jail. I'm not writing saying, hey guys, uh, I know I'm in prison right now, but let me share with you the secret of contentment. No. My letter's very different. I'm going, help. I want out. Get me out of this place. Like, do whatever you have to do. Gather everybody together. Form a, get a petition. Get all the signatures. Go before the council. Like, Paul doesn't know if he's going to make, make out of here alive or not. Like, he, he may be crucified. He may be beheaded. He may be stoned to death. He doesn't know. And yet he writes to us and goes, I want to share with you the secret of contentment? Really? Listen to what Paul's going to say in Philippians 4. We're going to start in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul, I think, in these verses does something very interesting. It's almost like he's telling us, he's saying, listen, before I can share with you the secret of contentment, you got to learn this. You got to know this. Like, if you can't get this, you can't, you can't learn the secret of contentment. And Paul does something, I think that's, um, it's actually, to me, frustrating. He says, listen, first of all, don't worry about your life. Present your request to God. And oh, by the way, when you do that, do it with a posture and an attitude of gratitude. Come to God with thankfulness. That's frustrating for me. I don't like that. I don't like it because I know my story and I know some of your stories. I know what some of you are walking through right now and I go, God, really? You're telling us not to be anxious? Do you see what's going on around here? Do you understand what people are going through? Are you hearing what's happening? And and you, you want us, first of all, not to worry and then you want us to be, like have gratitude? I mean, I, I, I'm listening and I'm going, God, I don't, I don't understand. I, I know the people that have lost their job and they're in financial ruin right now and you're telling them not to worry? I know the people that have recently lost a child and you're telling them don't worry and come to you with gratitude? Come on, God. I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand. How do, how, do we, how do we, first of all, not worry and then come with thanksgiving? We, we started this, uh, this tradition in my house recently. Well, I'd say not recently. It was, it was a little while ago we started this. So I would come home and my, my wife, would, uh, she would have, you know, be, be making dinner and getting dinner ready for, for all of us. 
and we would sit down at the table and I would watch and listen as my kids were just sort of, they were ungrateful for my wife making dinner. I know, shocking, kids are ungrateful, right? Like, it's a, I mean, whoa. And, but I would, I would hear my kids sort of complain and they just, they would complain about the food and then they would just sort of, it, it was like, and I would look at my wife and I could just see sort of, she was hurt, she was frustrated. I mean, just all the emotion. And then I would get mad and frustrated. I'm like, I'll fight all my kids right now. And it just wasn't good. And so we had this night where we, we, uh, we finally put the kids to bed and we decided to, to sort of just have this conversation about what was going on and how do we solve this problem? I mean, it's, you know, nobody wrote a book about this, right? We're just like, we're trying to figure this out. And so we came up with this idea and we, we decided to implement it and just see what, what happens. And it was, the idea was that we weren't gonna tell our kids that they needed to be thankful. I just wanted to sort of try something. I was kind of playing a game with them to see what would happen. And so the next night we all sat down at dinner and we're all eating and, and just sort of doing our thing. And all of a sudden I just, I looked up and I looked at my wife and I said, mama, thank you for dinner. It's amazing, thank you. And I went back to eating and I just kept eating. One of my kids goes, hey mom, thanks, thanks for dinner. And then another one, yeah mom, thank you for dinner. And then another one, mom, thanks for dinner. And then something crazy happened. One of my kids goes, and mom, thank you for taking us to the park. Nobody say anything, right? Like, don't stop this. And then another kid, yeah, mom, thanks for, um, thanks for taking us to Target today. Right, come on, moms, you know Target. <laughs> then then, then, then another, another kid was like, yeah, mom, and thanks for folding my clothes. And mom, thanks for this, and then thanks for this. It was like all of a sudden they were remembering and realizing all the things that mom has done that they didn't deserve, they didn't earn, but they just realized there's so much stuff that mama has done. And then something like, something happened that was, I mean, it was shocking, absolutely shocking. One of my kids goes, and mom, thank you for making us popcorn later and letting us watch a movie and have Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, that is like a Jedi mind trick. I can't even, it was like a Yoda move. It's like, mm, popcorn we shall have. You know what I mean? I was like, yes. It was amazing. I was, I was reading through this, and I just, it was like this moment, this light bulb went off. It was, it was, some of you right now, you're in a situation you can't even fathom not worrying and being thankful. You just can't even fathom it. But I believe with everything within me that as you start to go to the Father and you start to say thank you, maybe something as simple as, God, thank you for giving me breath today. God, thank you for allowing me to get out of bed today. 
God, I'm not sure what the situation is going to turn out, how it's going to turn out, but God, I'm going to say thank you anyway. All of a sudden, as you're beginning to say thank you and you're beginning to talk to God, things are going to start popping into your head. You're going to go, oh yeah, and God, I forgot about that. And thank you for this moment right here. Oh, and, and right here, God, thank you for what you've done here. I forgot about that one. And God, I'm also thank you for this one right here. And, and God, right here, if you wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't have been here and here and here and here and here. You see, it begins to build our faith so that when we're in this moment and we're standing here, we begin to have a different perspective and a different focus because we can stand strong in this moment because we look back at all of the faithfulness and all the times that God has moved and God has been there and we can stand strong in this moment and we're not worried about this time. We can stand here and go, you know what? I'm not sure how this is gonna work out, but God, I trust you and I believe what your word says and I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight and I'm gonna believe what you say, God. see, when, when God says, don't be anxious, he's saying, don't just give up. Don't just give up. He's saying, no, no, no. You press in like never before. You come to me and I will begin to build your faith. You may be in a job and you keep saying the same thing. I hate my job. When am I getting out of this job? I've been unseen and I can't stand it. What if it was different? What if you said, God, thank you the fact that I have a job and I'm able to provide for my family. And God, thank you that you can use me in my job that I can begin to make an impact for your kingdom and for your glory, God. God, this marriage, I don't know how much longer I can take it, God. This is not turning out how it was supposed to. God, I thank you for my spouse. God, give me the wisdom and the patience to see them as you see them, God. God, help me love them like you love them. God, help me pray for them like I need to, God. I'm going to believe that you're going to do a miraculous work in our marriage, God. God, how much longer am I going to be single? I've been single forever. I'm tired of it. It'd be easier to go just live my own life and not even try to live for you in my singleness. God, I thank you that today, right now, you're preparing me for the person that I'm gonna meet. Because when I meet them, I'm gonna be the man or the woman that you desire me to be so I can be a strong believer as I walk into that marriage, God. My kids are driving me crazy. Amen. God, help me today to speak life over my kids. Help me speak life, God. But God, because they're your children, God, help me nurture them and pray for them and love them. And God, I need patience and patience and more patience, right? You see, I think Paul's telling us that if we want to learn contentment, we first need to learn how to present our request, how we go to God with thankfulness and gratitude because as we do I believe that it's in those moments that God begins to build our faith and we begin to understand that no matter what the circumstance and what we're going through that God's got it God's got this 
at the end of it and we believe and we trust. And once we get that, once we understand it, I think we can press into the secret of contentment. Philippians 4, verse 11. Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned, and if you have your Bible, smartphone, underline, highlight, do something with that word learned. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I've learned it, and I want to share it with you. See, Paul doesn't say, hey, I took a class on contentment. Paul doesn't say, I listened to a TED Talk on contentment. It's almost as if Paul's going, listen, come here. Come close. It's a secret, so you got to come in. you 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 got to press into this. You can't, you can't miss this. Because if you want to know what it is to live with joy and happiness and peace over your life, like you gotta, you gotta get this. You see, if you believe that your contentment and your happiness and your joy is contingent on your circumstance, you will live a life of worry. You will live a life of worry. And Paul says, I've got a better way. I got a better way. You see, I think what Paul figured out is that Paul began to focus on a very different list than what I focus on, than maybe what you focus on. You see, because what I do is I focus on all the things that I haven't received, all the blessings that I feel like I should get, all the things that God has yet to do for me. That's my list. Paul goes, no, no, no. I'm focusing on a different list. I'm focusing on God's love. I'm focusing on his forgiveness. I'm focusing on the fact that I've been redeemed and restored. I'm focusing on the fact that my name is written in the book of life. I'm focusing on the fact that I have Jesus and Jesus is enough. That's the list. And Paul begins to go, you know what? If you want to know, if you want to know what it is, he goes, you got to start focusing on Jesus. Because I think what Paul figured out is that what he had in Christ was far greater than what he didn't have in this life. That's what he figured out. He began to understand what he had in Jesus was greater than anything he didn't have in this lifetime. It didn't matter where he was and what was going on. He knew wherever he was, he had Jesus. I've spent a lot of time studying contentment, mainly because it's something I'm strugg- I struggle with. Like, like, I really struggle with it. I mean, if I brought my wife on stage right now, she would go, yes, let me tell you everything, right? I just do. I, I tend to be naturally just a very discontent person. I'm always wanting something different or, or more 
And it's a terrible way to live. It just is. So I've, I've been reading a lot and studying a lot. And I picked up this book by, um, by Max Lucado. And I just want to read to you a little bit out of this book. And a lot of the stuff that I, I've, I've pulled, I've studied from this book, and it's just amazing. And it's called Anxious for Nothing. And let me just read this to you. He says it this way. In Jesus, Paul found all the satisfaction his heart desired. You and I can learn the same. Christ-based contentment turns us into strong people. Since no one can take our Christ, no one can take our joy. Can, can death take our joy? No, Jesus is greater than death. Can failure take our joy? No, Jesus is greater than our sin. Can betrayal take our joy? No, because Jesus will never leave us. Can sickness take our joy? No, because God has promised, whether on this side of the grave or the next, to heal us. Can disappointment take our joy? No, because even though our plans may not work out, we know that God's plans will. Death, failure, betrayal, sickness, disappointment, they cannot take our joy because they cannot take our Jesus. You, you have a God who is crazy about you and the forces of heaven to monitor and protect you. You have the living presence of Jesus within you. In Christ, you have everything. He can give you happiness that can never be taken, a grace that will never expire, and a wisdom that will ever increase. He is a fountain of the living hope that will never be exhausted. Amen. Church, I believe that living content in this life, it's not about giving up on your hopes and your dreams and your desires and your ambitions for your life. It's about taking them and submitting them to the Father and understanding that what you have in Jesus is far greater than anything you don't ever receive in this lifetime. And if you have Jesus, you have enough. You have enough and he's with you. Church, will you bow your heads? I want to ask just two questions. First is you may be a lot like me. You may live a life of a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety. You may be in a season of life right now where you just feel very discontent with where you're at. You might be walking through something and you're going, God, are you seeing us? Are you seeing me? Are you going to show up? And the amount of just worry and anxiety seems to just, it seems like, you're almost drowning in it. You just don't know how you're ever going to get out from under it. And I believe there's a way. And I believe Jesus sees you. I believe Jesus hears you. I believe he's here right now with you. The presence of the living God is in this place. And if you say, JB, that's me, and I just want prayer today, do me a favor and just lift up your hand and we'll pray for you. A whole bunch of us, yep, a whole bunch of us. Second question. I've been talking a lot, but the reality is, is that as I've been talking, you've been feeling a stirring in your heart. And that stirring is God's Holy Spirit beckoning you home to him. He says he loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life. 
There is nothing you have to do to earn it. He just says, come home. That's it. And I believe today that you're about to make the greatest decision that you've ever made in your entire life. And you're gonna experience the peace of God like never before. The peace of God that transcends all understanding comes upon your life. And you're gonna experience Jesus. And when you have Jesus in this life, there's nothing, there's nothing else that matters. And so I'm gonna count to three. When I count to three, if that's you, you just raise your hand up high, be bold in this moment. Nobody's looking around. It's just between you and God. One, two, three. Put them up high so we can see it. Amen, 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 amen. Yes, God, amen, amen, amen. God, we take a moment. God, we recognize. God, your word says, your word says, God, that if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead, then we are saved. And so God, I thank you right now. There's people all over this room and all of our other rooms, God, who are making a decision for you. God, and I believe heaven is literally celebrating right now as people's names are being written into that book where they're gonna experience you forever. And God, I pray for those that are walking through a season right now, God, of just worry and anxiety. God, I pray in the name of Jesus as they begin to come to you over the next few minutes, God, with an attitude and a posture of just gratitude for what you've done and who you are. God, I pray that their faith begins to build as they see all of the other moments in their life where you have shown up and you've been faithfully with them. God, I pray you move. I pray you work. We love you in your precious name. Amen. I wanted to do something as we're sort of kicking off 2019. I know it's a few weeks in, but we're still early enough. And as I was preparing this message, one of the things that kept coming to me was this whole concept and this idea that what we have in Christ is far greater than anything else we don't have. And I was thinking about it this way, that for a lot of us, sometimes we go, I don't know what to be thankful for. And so I wanted to take a moment as a church and I wanna do the, the one thing that all of us can be thankful for. We can thank God for sending his son Jesus to this earth to die on that cross for you and for me. We can do that. And so we're gonna spend just a few moments and we're gonna partake of communion together. Because I just think, man, it's so important. There's two things that basically Jesus says, hey, do these two things, right? Baptism and communion. It's what Jesus did. I'm like, if Jesus does it, we should do it. And so I wanna spend just the next few moments partaking of the elements. And the ushers are coming down. They're gonna start passing out the communion. The Bible says in, uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, it says that before anybody partakes of the elements, we ought to examine ourselves, examine our hearts. If there's anything in your life that you feel like you just need to talk to God and ask for forgiveness of, 
do that before you partake of the elements. In fact, the Bible says that we begin to uh, bring judgment upon ourselves. And so I want to make sure that we, we understand sort of the magnitude of this moment of what we're doing. And then when you're ready, you go ahead and partake of the, the bread or the cracker, which represents the body that was broken. And then, of course, the juice, which is the blood that was shed for you and I. And I would ask that at all of our locations, that as you're doing this, the band's about to play, and I'm asking that nobody stand up yet. You stay in just a reverent moment talking to the Father, thanking him for sending his son to this earth. And when you're ready, you can stand up and we can worship God with everything we've got and thank him for what he's doing in this place today. Red Rocks, I love you guys. Thank you so much. I love you.